Hey, this is Dr. Chuck McGathy from First Baptist Church of Madison, and I am once again down in Florida. My mother is very, very ill, and uh, Tony and I have come down to do our best to, uh, to help her. We are planning on being back in Madison this weekend, and that is the uh, 4th of July weekend. Uh, and hopefully all will will be on the mend here, but uh, we're right now under a great deal of stress down in Florida trying to help take care of mom. Uh, I know that you've got all kinds of things going on in your life, but if you could just take a moment of your time and utter a prayer for my mom, Mary McGathy, and her family, uh, I would be very, very appreciative. This uh, coming Sunday is July 3rd. And in American parlance, we think of this as the 4th of July weekend. Just using the term 4th of July it seems to uh, all by itself indicate that uh, we all understand that it's not just the 4th day of July, which happens everywhere in the world, but in America it is the day that we recognize the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And on that theme, I want to speak a little bit today. Uh, the title of the message is Democracy Christian, and uh, I mean that as an honest inquiry to ask the question, if democracy itself, as was proposed in the Declaration of Independence, was in fact a reflection of Christian theology. So I hope you'll listen. This also happens to be the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, and the scripture passage today is from the Psalms 66, verses 1 through 9. I'll read the entirety of it, then I'll focus on one particular part of that in just a moment. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds because of your great power. Your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name, Selah. Come and see what the Lord God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among humans. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. Is democracy Christian? Are the political principles of democracy the Christian way to run our clubs, communities, and countries? Well, that might sound like a silly question to even ask, especially on this day, as we anticipate tomorrow, July 4th, is a special day in this nation. Americans everywhere will celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. We all memorize those sacred words in elementary school. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Those words announced to the world in general and declared to the King of England in specific that the people of the American colonies had come to believe that the form of government they had known was inadequate and that a better form of government was desirable. That new form of government, an expression of an ancient form of governing going back to the Greek city-state of Athens, is called democracy. Democracy is thought of as given by divine fiat, acknowledging the rights and equality of all, and elevating the power to establish government, not to chieftains, kings, or dictators, but to those who are themselves the governed. At the time those words declaring American independence were issued forth from Philadelphia, you should know that not every Christian believed them. In fact, many Christians, and some of them who lived here, believed that democracy was a sinful idea. Instead, they believed in what was known as the divine right of kings. In other words, they contended that God had selected certain people to be rulers and furthermore to pass along through their descendants the right to rule over others. Royalty was thus both privileged and burdened to decide how nations and people would be ruled. Many, if not most, Christians in the world in the year 1776 thought this was exactly what God wanted and expected of humanity. Yet, there were some Christians who had begun to think differently. One of those died in an English prison where he was sentenced to rot by the English King James. His name was Thomas Helwys. In 1612, Helwys had written a manuscript entitled A Short Declaration of the Mystery of Iniquity. In it, he denied the divine right of the king. He dared to say that the notion of liberty of conscience, freedom of religion, were given not by a king, but by God himself. This may have been, in fact, the first such declaration in the English-speaking world. It was, in essence, an argument for democracy. And just in case you don't know this same, Thomas Helwys was the founder of the people now called Baptist. In the 17th and 18th century, though most Christians on this planet thought these ideas based on democratic ideals were dangerous and contrary to the will of God, instead they believed that God had selected certain strong men and sometimes women to govern his children. To them it was clearly taught in the Bible. Submission to the king was God's way, and people just needed to get in line and affirm together, God saved the king. But the words of Christians like Thomas Helwys, Roger Williams, John Leland, all Baptist, and other Christians, though not Baptist, began to make people think. Maybe, just maybe, there is a better way for people to be governed than through monarchy. 
Some Christians even began to believe the Bible itself affirms a better form of government than the one they had inherited from birth. And in 1776, these ideas found expression in a Declaration of Independence. Eighty-seven years later, Abraham Lincoln would acknowledge this revolutionary thought. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. There it is, again, that core idea. It is the belief in human dignity, equality, and the conviction that we all have value. Of course, President Lincoln composed those words the way he did because he knew that not everyone, including not every Christian in this nation, believed that way. Some Christians believed strongly and perhaps sincerely that God had selected some for freedom and others for bondage. But Abraham Lincoln reminded us that the founding principle of this nation, democracy itself, rejects that thinking. Democracy always arcs toward freedom and equality. In the words of the common recited pledge written to ensure loyalty with liberty and justice for all. Now, not everyone liked Lincoln or liked what he stood for then and now. But I want you to know, I think the Declaration of Independence, the early Baptist and other Christians, and Abraham Lincoln had it right. Democracy is given by God, and we must work toward democracy continually. Our scripture today is from the Psalms. The portion I will read emphasizes the ultimate rule that is godly. It provides a firm background for further thought on the ethics of human political systems. I also want to add one more scripture from the words of Jesus. First, from Psalm 66. We rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, who keeps, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. And from the teaching of Jesus, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Matthew 7, 12. Just as in the founding of this nation and in the bitter struggle of an ongoing internal war, there are even now Christians among us in our land, our brothers and sisters, who do not, in fact, believe in democracy. They do not believe everyone matters or that equality is God's way or that each person, no matter who they are or what they profess or who their parents were, is just as valuable and important as they are. Supporting or rather not supporting the ability to vote is one way of observing this. I just heard of one Colorado politician who is actually proposing that the votes of people in rural areas should count more than those who live in cities. Democracy, however, yearns for every vote to count equally. In the democracy of Athens, each citizen was given two stones. One stone was white and the other black. 
these stones called ballots represented yes or no. As they considered important decisions like going to war, each person walked by a clay pot and cast their ballot to determine the decision that would affect them all. Ever since, the principle of democracy acknowledges that everyone has a voice, an equal voice, in the expression of government. This does not take place in autocratic governments. It does not occur in systems of raw power like fascism. But in democracies, great effort is expended to ensure that everyone gets a vote, that all opinions are counted, and that the majority opinion wins the day. To operate any other way is, to put it rather plainly, anti-democratic. To relegate the decision-making process to a single individual, a powerful minority, or even an institutionalized religious power is against the idea of democracy. In a democracy, mistakes can be made. The majority may not get it right. But mistakes can also be made in other systems of government. In fact, I think it can be successfully argued that the mistakes and crimes of autocratic leadership are far more numerous and horrific in their wake than those of democracies. In democratic-based systems, the governed have a voice, and change happens through persuasion, compromise, and love. We actually have an example of this taking place in the book of Acts. In the 21st chapter, Paul meets with his brothers and sisters of different opinion, and through persuasion, compromise, and love, they find a way to value all and open the doors of the church to all humanity. The Bible, though, is not written as a political book. The message of Scripture is not an apologetic for any particular form of government. Within its pages, you will observe the people of God living under monarchies and dictatorships, tribalism, and religion-ruled governments, or theocracies. Nowhere does the Bible argue for one political form over the other. In fact, the struggle that God's children experience within these systems shows that every form had fatal flaws. Jesus approaches the complex problem of human governance uniquely. Even when offered by the devil to be elevated to king of the world, Jesus rejects the temptation, telling him that it is his aim to worship God and to not rely on the devil. What the devil promised Jesus was he could be in charge and run the world his way. Just compromise a bit. After all, he reasoned, the end justifies the means. Once and for all, Jesus makes it clear, you cannot claim to be doing a good thing if you have to resort to a devil to get your way. In contrast, the democratic process relies on persuasion and principle. It accepts that it does not always get the quickest result, but by placing government in control of the governed, it will ultimately get the best result. You see, Jesus is the king of the world, but he has become king one heart at a time. He has forced no one to bow the head or bend the knee, but has empowered untold millions through freedom and respect to love and follow him. So while there is no endorsement for one form of human government over another, I do happen to believe that Christ teaches us the essence of human behavior. 
behavior that can and should be applied in how we act toward one another. The forms of government people endured in the Bible included religious tyranny, tribal strongmen, and brutal dictatorships and monarchies. Yet, within that emerges a guide for human relationships from both the Old and New Testaments. Most of us know this ethic as the golden rule. But just because we are familiar with it does not guarantee that we have applied it. We must consider it in every aspect of our lives, even in our politics. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In those powerful words, Jesus affirms the value and dignity of every individual. You see, if I want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for myself, I must then also insist upon it for my neighbor. It really is, as Martin Luther King Jr. reminded us, no man is free until every man is free. That is the powerful ethic taught in the Bible and insisted upon by Jesus that fuels the engines of democracy. We share in the decisions to govern our land. Our representative republic is premised on the idea that every person's vote is sacred and matters and counts just the same. The further we get from that essential idea, the further we get from democracy and the golden rule he taught us to embrace. I never really thought I'd be giving a sermon like this in America. And I do not do so from a position of arrogance. I know and love many Christians who believe that things are now so ungodly in our nation that what we need is a strong leader who will force a moral agenda upon the people, something like Vladimir Putin has done in Russia. I love them, but I think this idea is wrong. In fact, I think that democracy remains the best way to express the love thy neighbor as thyself philosophy. America has never fully resolved this debate. Baptists, though, did. As a group of religious people, it is our heritage to support and defend the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. While not themselves divinely inspired, their formative thoughts are divinely given. Baptists have fought for separation of church and state and were at the forefront of an abolitionist movement that pricked the troubled conscience of our nation. Now, I think it is time we as Baptist people affirm the very idea of democracy itself. So on this 4th of July, give it some thought. Pray for one another and love each other. I hope you will thank God for our democracy as much as I do. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you taught us what we all have, that we all have value. You taught us to love each other as we love ourselves. You taught us that no kingdom is worth it if we have to bow down to a devil to get it. Now we ask you that we might live out our faith with courage and strength, grateful for the lessons from our past, and resolved to live your words into our future. God bless America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.